Hello, all you beautiful people in podcast land. My name is Paul Ward. I'm Zach McCoy. And it is your boy, Trav. And we are your Oscar Grouches. Welcome back to the Oscars, the podcast Thursday show. Thursday, show where we take a look at the oeuvre of a one Oscar bridesmaid and knower of cinema, Mr. Martin Scorsese. What are we watching this week, Zach? This week, we're going to the classroom for my <laughs> voyage to Italy. History of <laughs> cinema. History of Italian Cinema 101 with Professor Sorcedo. <laughs> <laughs> so close. <clears throat> myself up. <clears throat> We're going to the... <laughs> We're in the classroom for my voyage to Italy with History of Italian Cinema with... Okay, can I try this one more time? I'm sorry. We are watching my voyage to Italy. We're going into the classroom for the History of Italian Cinema <laughs> 101 with Professor Scorsese. There we go. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Nailed it. First try. <laughs> Good job. Thanks. Right out my lisp. Uh, Big silly question for everyone. Is this everyone's first time seeing this movie? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes for me. I've seen parts of it. How? So we'll call that a yes. <laughs> By seeing parts of the seeing some of the movies that are going to feature. But no, this is my first time watching. Ah, so uh, oh, yes. for Sazies? Yes, for Sazies. Yes. I also got a question. Yes. Um, I've only known old Martin with huge eyebrows. And until we started watching these movies, I had never seen young Martin. Mm-hmm. When did his eyebrows become so fucking thick? Like, what age did it just happen? <laughs> it, yeah, it just... I think it was around 93. I guess the age ninety three or the year ninety to ninety three. Martin Scorsese has been ninety three like since it happened 93. in the nineties. Yeah, it feels like it feels that way. Um, and when did he go? I feel like there's no middle age. It's Martin Young and Martin old as fuck. Like where was the middle <laughs> middle age at? Somewhere in the mid nineties, he switched his style and went to suits and got the gray hair and his eyebrows stayed black and shaved the beard. And here, and here we are. Yeah. Yep. And I dig right. the look. Yeah. Oh, uh, I meant to skip over to next year's Oscars. So this is a 1999 film. We're we're covering it in 1998 since he didn't have a directing project in 1998, and we'll be covering his uh, narrative feature from 1999 next mm-hmm. week. Uh, so let me check real quick. This was not nominated for Best Documentary Feature. So there is no Oscar breakdown. I get it, though. Oh, I get it, too. I was just curious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if it wasn't over four hours, I would say it should be nominated for... Well, I don't know what came out that year, so who am I to say that? But it it was good enough to be. It's just that there's no way four hours they're going to nominate a four-hour damn documentary. (laughs) (laughs) It's just not happening. I need to remember to actually talk about uh, the documentary film that does win when we talk about it during our Oscar breakdown on the main show next week. Okay. That's an, inter- that's an interesting one. All right. Uh, so let's uh, jump into it. Okay. I'm I'm just going to open this up by saying I fucking love every second of this. Yeah. <laughs> Surprisingly, yeah, I mean, me too. This is essentially uh, a history of Italian cinema course, and, and yeah. he's leading you through it and it's awesome 
Um, <laughs> I, I will yeah. I will start out by saying my only problem with this is entirely a me problem. Okay. Nothing to do with the film itself. And it's something that I noticed when I took a film course in college too, is when when somebody starts showing important or vital scenes from a movie I haven't seen yet, I'm like, oh, I don't want to watch this yet. I want to watch the whole film. Don't show me the scene. So that that's a me problem. Like I, I look away a little bit and I don't pay as close attention because what's the chance of you watching those films? The I know the Him? bicycle thief <laughs> and and Rome Open City are on my list of movies to watch. So like he was showing a bunch of scenes from those in particular and I was like, oh shit. But you know, they're they're the kind of films that I'm sure stand up to rewatch and stuff. So yeah. so for me, the the parts I enjoyed the most were when he was covering like Fellini and stuff, which I'd seen before, so I was I was interested in how he was analyzing and breaking things down because obviously he knows his stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I, uh, Martin I, can I, sell you on some films. Yeah, and I I love the personal touches he brings into how he came to see these films, how he came to appreciate right. them, the the how the personal connections to so many of the films and his family coming from the areas that the films were made in. Like, yeah, it's that's all just fascinating to me. It is, and I love the opening um, pieces of his home footage and uh, stuff that he mm-hmm. hadn't really seen until like family members bought it. It's like, here's his footage, Marty. Yeah. <laughs> Which is weird. Cause it's like, I feel like he, his parents had not his parents, but like somebody in his family had to have some sort of money to be able to purchase video cameras back in those days. Like that wasn't just something somebody had. Yeah. You know, the but the neighborhood he lived in, uh, maybe some of those video cameras. Fell oh off yeah, the truck. Okay, fell uh, off the truck, as Banks uh, says. Who knows? <laughs> that's true. I guess that's true. Yeah. Sometimes I forget about his ties. Yeah, and his uncle in particular. I think we've talked about before. Maybe had some. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've been talking about him since Mainstream. pretty early on. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I I wish I knew. I know nothing about Italian cinema. I wish I knew as much about Italian cin- cinema that I know about Italian opera. That would have been nice oh. to know going into this film. Because I don't know. I haven't seen anything. I didn't know anybody he was talking about. Anything he brought up. I didn't know none of these movie, these films. And typically, I wouldn't even be interested in films that are dated that far back, to be quite frank. But again, the way he talks about these films, I'm like, hey, man, this is, this is an interesting film. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And, and there's a bunch of these that I'm very familiar with. There's some of them I own. Uh, there's some that I've seen. But, I mean, this list is so long that, <laughs> you know, I... You know, I've seen La Strada, and I've seen Eight and a Half, and I've seen La Dolce Vita. I own Nights in Cabiria. I own Eight and a Half. But, right. yeah, stuff like Stromboli <laughs> and Stromboli. Uh, Cabiria from 1914. Like, these are right. films. Yeah. I'm not, the- no, <laughs> not only have I not heard of, but I you know, haven't seen. So Yeah, all the Fellinis you just named are ones I've watched in the past two years as we've 
you know, been going through those years on the podcast. And mm-hmm. so, so that was a cool, made the film feel even more personal for me. It's like, yeah, Marty, I'm in this with you. <laughs> you don't know who we are, but maybe you will. I'll get your daughter to react to us on TikTok. It's something. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. It, you know, now, now there's a, a new list of films that I'm really interested in. I really want to see like Europa 51. I haven't seen. Mm. I absolutely loved every, every scene of Umberto D that I watched. Yeah. I'm looking at the titles here as we're going. And I, I think this is kind of a hard thing to talk about um, without just like name dropping all these movies, but there's so many good pretty much scenes and emotion he's showing. And he's talking about uh, neo realism and, mm the different kinds of uh, styles that Italian cinema brought. And I, even though I'm just kind of diving into older parts of Italian cinema, it just, it strikes me as a very rich culture that I, that I really enjoy in film and it's all kind of romanticized in my mind, I think. And, yeah. and, and obviously this, my voyage to Italy is romanticizing it all too. And mm-hmm. in personal and beautiful ways. Yeah, and so much of so much of these films are directly like post-war Italy, right? And you know, not a lot of good things going on there. Them being part of the Axis powers and all. Yeah, I think he, he there was a scene or a moment when he was talking about his family seeing in these films what they had left behind, and that's like how they discovered a lot of stuff. Because you know, obviously, there's no live television coverage or or social media where they can go and see the shit so they're learning stuff through narrative um films like this Mm -hmm. and you know like you said seeing places where they've come from and and places they know and that's that's really interesting Mm -hmm. is this made i take it all the movies in here they didn't have to get rights to put in the documentary because they're just so old uh, so walt disney uh the piece of shit that he was didn't want to give up the rights to mickey mouse right so he got a u.s copyright uh to push public domain to 100 years right so I know mostly about American public domain. I don't know what Italian public domain is like. Gotcha. So mm, yeah. a lot of these could absolutely be under the public domain. I couldn't tell you. I mean, a lot of Fellini stuff is criterion. And I, yeah, I don't know either, but it's a good question. Maybe, you know, Marty's got friends. <laughs> <laughs> Probably like, okay, you have, here's the rights to do this. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of like, a lot of like um, um, British films are like publicly funded, right? Mm. So you know there could there could, there could be weirder and different laws and just about everywhere about how art can be shared. Well, is this actually a uh, documentary that was all in one go? Like this was an actual four hour watch, it, or was broken up? No, it sounds like it was a, a four-hour watch. Okay. Yeah, we watched it in three parts, but like the the parts were bridged, right? As far as I watched it, like he didn't ever like, uh, stop his narration. 
Yeah, it was released in 99 at a length of four hours. Two years later, it was screened out of competition in 2001 can. Uh, I can't imagine sitting at the festival and well, watching. I think it had an intermission, though. I saw an intermission. Yeah, there, there was an intermission. But still, yeah. Now, I, I would have loved to watch this in a the theater so that I wasn't as, like, in my ADHD distraction as I am when I'm at home. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, and, and speaking of the rights, if, if the rights cost anything, I'm pretty sure they're not too concerned about it because this movie was produced by Giorgio Armani. I've seen that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was distributed by Miramax. So it's like, mm. you know, you think it's just okay, something right. he did for fun, but it's probably, it, you know, and there's three other credited writers on here and two of them are Italian. So there's, there's just a big chance that, you know, somebody was just like, Hey, Marty, we got this idea. How about you talk about Italian cinema for four hours? And he's like, yeah. all right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, so many of the, the Rosalini films I haven't seen. So those are probably the ones I'm going to make an effort to see soonest. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm really into checking out more Vittorio De Sica. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm not going to watch any of those movies, but you know, it's a, uh, you know, hey, you know what? If I happen to be sitting on Paul's couch and he put it on, then so be it. But I was going to um, say, I think Eight and a Half on HBO Max. That's a really interesting film. That you know, it's just, uh, there's a lot of movies out there. Yeah. And, you know, these just aren't on the top of my list, I guess, the... And I know how much of a musical a, guy you are. You can watch Eight and a Half, and then you can watch the musical based on Eight and a Half, Nine. I'm, I'm going to really? do that. Yes, it really is. <laughs> I, oh, okay. Do that. Got Daniel Day-Lewis in. That's why I, um, I remember when that... Um, that's, not, that's like we got Apollo 10 and a Half coming out. Oh, I can't wait for that. I love Link Letter. Dude, that's going to be incredible. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's just oh, a couple man. of weeks from now. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah. It comes out in uh, April. So, hmm. If I were to like... I think Lestrada and uh, Dolce Vita are pretty uh, accessible, uh, maybe up Trav's alley. But, you know, like you said, there's a lot of things to watch. If you don't get to it, you don't. But. Yeah. Um, and really, the only other thing I got to say is just that I just love Martin's voice and how he talks. Like, I want to listen yeah. every time he talks. Right. I think <laughs> it's he's he's an underrated talker. I think he's a hell of a narrator. I don't know how he hasn't done more narration for like, uh, you know, his, film documentaries. His or, DVD commentaries are excellent. Awesome, dude. I just want to hear the guy talk. Um, I can't remember what channel it is specifically, but they'll do these roundtables with actors mm-hmm. and stuff. And um, any. Hollywood Reporter. Right? It's Hollywood Reporter. That's what it was. Okay. And I love those, man. I could watch those all day. They always have such amazing cast of people together. My favorite one is when they had Martin Scorsese at the same table as Todd Phillips. Yep. I've seen that one. And they're like, hey, are you ever going to direct a, a, a comic book movie? And Martin Scorsese is like, no. Why would I do that? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's wild? Is I think he would make an incredible comic book movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I, mean, I don't I don't know why he would be like, why would I do that? When like, dude, you would be incredible at doing it. I mean I mean he hasn't shied away from other things, but you know. That's the I thing, just, he doesn't have to do what's already being it, done. It's it Martin Scorsese. Didn't he talk about comics in this? Like reading comics at the beginning of this documentary? Yeah. 
I think I think he was more talking about um like your newspaper comics. That's what I gathered from it when I hear people talking about comics and yeah. they're old is like <laughs> those kind of comics, Archie. Yeah, they were reading original runs of like old horror Blonde. comics. Right, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I, I know what you mean about his voice. He uh I mean, he's like almost whispering through part of it. He's like, he doesn't want to interrupt the movie, even though he could control whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he always has like these pauses, these meaning, the pauses are meaningful. I feel like, you know, it's like he pauses to make you think and then he hits you with that, you know, that hooker at the end. And I'm like, damn it, he got me. <laughs> or, or like Zach was saying, like he's doing commentary for these films as they're going by and you can hear him pause so he can like watch the movie. <laughs> Like and and then she she runs around the corner and she oh yeah and then she finds the <laughs> <laughs> that one scene where he like rewound the uh, guy who was like pretending to jump over the thing and he's yeah like, oh, yeah but watch it <laughs> dude that was a good scene because he's like you know um, if he doesn't do it it means nothing but he does it so subtle. Yeah, yeah. And, but everything he's saying is true. It's like he's really breaking down the science behind it's the little things, you know, when yeah. any sort of uh you know, musicianship or wrestling or being an actor, it's always the little things that you do. Whenever you hear somebody talk is like a master in that particular field, they everybody always talks about it. it's the little things you do that make the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Martin's yeah. spitting that knowledge for us. Yeah, yeah, he's so good at this. <laughs> yeah, he's so good. I I don't know. Uh, is he does he have like a master class out there? Is he one of those people that you can? He, I've never seen him have one. He used to teach at NYU. That's uh, why. Oh yeah, all, yeah. Oliver Stone was one of his students. Or did was uh, Spike Lee was probably out by the time he was teaching there. Or were they were teaching together or something? Weren't they like at one point? Wow, some point. together. Like not like in the same classroom, but at the same oh. time. Or... They're they're real close now. Like they're yeah. yeah. Well, why shouldn't they be? They're both. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, they can do anything. Mean Mean Streets is like Spike Lee's favorite movie. That's wild. Yeah. (laughs) Do you think it's the De Niro dance? The De Niro shimmy? Yeah, of course. Why would Why wouldn't it be? (laughs) Oh Lord. So it it is a little hard for me to talk too much more about this because it's just lots of great scenes of other movies. Yeah, it's just a man that loves movies talking about movies. A man who's great at making movies. Who loves movies? Talking yeah. about movies, yeah. And, and you know, and this is this is exactly where I've been on the weird ass culture war that we've had about Martin Scorsese as of recent. He's just an old man that wants you to like movies. Yeah, that's huh. um, that's what he says at the end. He's like, hopefully, some young people will. Although Travis is like, nah, I'm not going to watch. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not because they look bad. It's right. just that you know. Yeah. I got a long list of movies. Yeah, <laughs> right. it's hard to get I mean. back. It's hard to get back to older movies. You know, it if, is. If we weren't doing this podcast, I would. I probably would not be watching all these. Absolutely not Oscar-nominated films. That right. I mean, it, some of them, sure, but I wouldn't have like delved as deep. You never would have watched The English Patient, is what you're saying. Probably not. I right. probably would have gone my whole life not watching The English Patient. But but more so than that, things like uh, like uh, God, what's the greatest stuff? show on earth? Well, oh, some definitely. of that stuff from back in the, in the wings. 
Oh, I've seen Wings. Oh, okay. What is one that you didn't see and told the show, and now you have it super high on your list? Uh, let me get to the list, and I will let you know. Well, that's been the thing for this. Like, I've always liked Martin Scorsese, but, you know, I never would have watched his filmography if yeah. uh, we weren't doing this. Mrs. Miniver. Oh, yeah. Mrs. Okay. I'm not sure I'd ever would have gotten around to Mrs. Miniver. And there's, like, Since You Went Away is another one that I probably never would have watched. And, you know, like, in, in my 20s, I had cable, and I had Turner Classic Movies, and I watched a bunch of stuff that way. Yeah. And I don't have that anymore. So yeah. In the age in the age of uh streaming and being able to choose what you want, you have to be very intentional and, and the podcast has made me very intentional and I have almost exclusively watched movies from the year that we've been covering and it's cut into my modern movies, but I'm not mad about it. I can always get back to those. Yeah. So, you know, it, so I I get what you're saying, Trap. It's it's hard to get to old movies. Yeah, especially when um, it blew my mind when they got the TCM hub on HBO Max. And there's what I consider modern day movies on there, you know, because when I think of Turner Classic Music, music, Turner Classic Movies, I literally think of black and white movies because that's what that channel was when we were kids. And when I see Goodfellas in that section, I'm like, what? And it should be in that section because it came out in 1990, 30 years ago. You know, when when I was a teenager, I was always like, you know, for music, 15 years is classic rock, 25 years is oldies. And then once (laughs) once the stuff I was listening to started hitting 15 years, I was like, fuck. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I never considered 15 years to be classic rock, but, you know. But but the thing is, you know, when when. When I was in the mid '90s, listening yeah. to the classic rock station, it was stuff from the late '70s that was right, being right, played. yeah. Now I hear what like, you're saying. It's like yeah. that's like 16, 17 years. It's not even not Just even stuff from 20 years like, ago. Listening to like newfound glory because they came out in like the 2000s, being like, yeah, that's classic. You that's, know, and it's as, like no. <laughs> as soon as as soon as like Green Day and Nirvana hit the classic rock station, uh, like in the mid 2000s, I was like, bones oh, creaking. <laughs> First time I heard, uh, yeah, like smells like Teen Spirit on one hundred six point nine. The Fox. I was like, oh my god. I was going to say the Fox or Bob. It's like holy crap. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. We are there. Uh, So I guess that's why Martin feels the way he feels. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's it for me. I don't really know what else to say. I'm with you. I'm with you as well, so we'll get to our worsty judgment. Trev. Yeah. Where is this sitting on your Thursdaysy rankings? Well, I gave this a four-star movie. Um, I probably would never watch this again because four hours is just and insane and it's not one of those ones where it's like split into parts where you can like pick a section because there's not like it's not section specific it's just one topic i'm gonna talk about it for four hours but it's really enjoyable i really recommend it to anybody to watch this film i have it sitting at my 14th spot right under last waltz and right above mad dog and glory um, I thought this was really, really enjoyable. I liked it. Zach? I am looking at my list right now, and it's one that's a little hard 
curate just because of the nature of it. Um, so much of it is not Marty's uh, making. So I think I'm going to put it at my number 10, uh, right behind Mean Streets, right above Cape Fear. Um, I think it's probably also a four star for me. Although if I were rating it like as a college course, I mean, it is essentially like a college film course on film. So I would rate it higher outside of ranking his films, if that makes sense. But I'm going to stick it at number 10. How about you, Mr. Workman? So I love documentaries. I don't, (laughs) I don't tend to rank documentaries alongside narrative films. Yeah. uh, At least uh, fictional narrative films or, you know, the, the like. Right. Uh, because, because I tend to just like documentaries more. I, I have an affinity towards them in a way that is hard for me to explain. Uh, just because yes. I like learning things. Yes. It's, it's one of my favorite things. And I like especially learning things about things I'm passionate about. And I like learning things about things I'm passionate about from people that I respect and appreciate. Right. Yes. So uh, I, all those things, it's really hard for me to rank this within Scorsese's uh, filmography because so much of what I love from him is, you know, his, his fictional narrative films. Right. But that being said, um, this is my new number one. Oh, wow. I loved every second of this. I don't rank documentaries with narrative fiction films because they have an unfair advantage in my mind. Right. That, there you go. Especially when I'm learning something about something that, I like, I just have a great time and listening to Marty talk about uh, movies for four hours is literally all I want to do with my life. (laughs) (laughs) And I will like, I, I wish I would have known about this 20 years ago and I probably would have watched this like five times over my lifetime. Gotcha. It's wonderful. And there's a chance I may watch it again in a couple of years. Uh, Hell yeah. Watch Good. watch a few of these movies and then rewatch this. Yeah. God damn it. He's I just love him so much. Good. I'm 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 glad. Yeah. So uh taxi driver. Take a back seat. Wow. Take back seats, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think that was ever gonna happen. There you go. Throw that Funko Pop in the trash now. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, I, I I I'm telling you, I the second I knew when I was downloading this for us I, and I read what it was about, I was like, oh, no, <laughs> that sounds amazing. Oh, yeah. no. So here yeah, we are. I, I agree with everything you said. Like I said, my only issue with it was a me problem. And there's we, we have a different kind of level of interacting with this. And that's my only reason why I have it at 10 rather than higher than that but still yeah and i'm good. mostly at the point of if if i wanted to do more research into italian films like in my life i probably would have searched yeah. a lot of these films out so having them talked about and spoiled for me is not a huge problem because it's my fault right, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, fair enough well so. also these came out a hundred years ago <laughs> so you know Some, yeah. everybody's had plenty of time to watch these films sorry if you didn't uh, so yeah, again, that's and and here we've watched we've watched movies for the podcast that like uh, when I watched the Crying Game, I knew a couple of things about the Crying Game, and I still thought that film was pretty excellent. All right. So 
So good, great film can stand up to being ruined, quote unquote. Yeah, I mean, how many movies do you rewatch and know the outcome and it mm-hmm. still hits you? Yeah. You know, like. Watch, watch Saving Private Ryan this weekend. Yeah. I knew, I know every second of that film because I've watched it so many times. I still cried in every single spot that I cry in every single time I watched that movie. Yeah. 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 I'm like I that you. too. So. All right. Well, I think we're going to call it there. Trav, let the people know where they can find you on the media's social. That is right. I am on the Instagram at ZK Audio. I am also on the Twitter at T-R-A-V-I-O-S-Z-K, where I'm also on Letterboxd ranking and rating my favorite movies. And uh, notably, I watched X this week, and I thought it was okay. I'm not a big fan of T.I. West, and he just proved me right again. So, Oh, I but, love Ty West. And Ty, Ty West, yeah. I- the but Innkeepers is one of my favorite horror. I films. will say this is uh, the year of Jenny Ortega. Yeah, you know? three films her, so far. So this is her fourth. Well, I don't count Fallout this year. So I, but I get what you're saying because nobody watched it till this year when it came right. on the maxes. So, it, but it was officially released this year. So I'm counting. But if you wanted to even say this year, so there's four. You know what I mean? So. This is her year, and everybody needs to go see the outfit. It's incredible. Go see the outfit. All right. Zach, where can people find you on the socials media? Find me on Critic or Zach Master, X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R. TikTok, House Havoc, Letterbox, searching my name. Mm-hmm. I mentioned yesterday about having uh, watched the <laughs> so many spider names that you came up with, Paul. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, you watched it I- yesterday? I watched it this week for the first time, yeah, now that it's out and available. Um, now that it's spoiled for you on Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not really a spoil because everybody knows. It's just funny. Yeah. So I was with Paul when I watched the video. I'm like, bro, why would they, you know, do that? But yeah. whatever. Yeah, and I mentioned that I liked it. But I had a thought in between uh, the last episode and this one. Just like – uh was it? I actually hate this movie. Fuck that movie. No. Was it Paul's? <laughs> Paul was overly critical. Of Paul was not. Uh, Paul was absolutely right in all his criticisms. I just still kind of like the movie. But I was having a thought, and we, you know, spoiler alert that Paul gave in yesterday's episode two. I, I was having issue with uh, Happy standing at the grave. Like it. Yes. <laughs> why would he be there? Why? Hold on, what? When he's Happy's at the grave at the end of the movie, yeah. Why is he there? What why mean, would why he, is he there? Why would he have known her through Spider Man? If the whole wiping <laughs> oh, him out of okay, existence, okay. Is, I get, I get what you're trying to say now, right? That the whole wiping him out of existence and that Happy would have never met on me, right? Technically, yes. And like, but, why would he? the The one that kills me the most is that he gets wiped out of existence and. Um, MJ and Ned are still on uh, Liberty right. Island. Right. Why do they think they're there? No. <laughs> and if it's to help Spider-Man, because Spider-Man still exists, Peter Parker doesn't. Right. Well, also, help... I mean, again, <laughs> they wouldn't be friends neither because they became friends through. Why do they think they're friends with Spider-Man? But 
I'm going to tell you just what you told me about pages. Batman and Robin is you're just watching it wrong. You're putting way too much thought and credit into any MCU sort of. thinks it's so clever, and it maybe it'll answer these questions retroactively. No, 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 no. I'm watching they do that this film. all the time. They always say we're going to talk. No, they're bad writers. Let's they just are. call it what it is. They're bad writers. The Russos, they're bad writers. They wrote themselves bad stuff when they did Infinity War and Endgame. God. And when Endgame. people questioned them, this is what they did. And now that they questioned the Spider-Man movie, they're doing the Russo brother answer. Where, oh, no, we're going to clean all that up. Don't worry. Nah, bro. Yeah, <laughs> you're not going to because you're not good writers. My issue is that that a lot of Marvel films do two things wrong. They explain too much and then they don't explain it enough. <laughs> They're like, we're going to give you all of this. And it's like, wait a minute. Those two things don't connect together though. No, you're good. Just move on. <laughs> I just, I love Marvel casting and what's it called. They're just fun to watch. And uh, what are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do? Hey, you're gonna nothing, gonna, nothing at this point. Cause they keep making fucking <laughs> dollars. I was going to say, it's the only reason why movie theaters are still in business. So Jared Leto said today. (laughs) Huh? Jared Leto had a quote saying that or something. Saying. Because he was talking about. That's why they're still in business? Uh Uh-huh. He said movie theaters wouldn't exist without Marvel. (laughs) So you're telling me that I think like Jared Leto thinks Jesus Christ. (laughs) 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 Good night, everybody. My life you, is ruined you th- now. Your so-called life. Oh, uh, all this that I haven't even got to my socials yet. You can follow me <laughs> at Father of the Fear on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, where I keep a running tally of all the films I watch. And this week, I watched the new Disney Plus Cheaper by the Dozen. Oh. I watched that today. <laughs> <laughs> I can already tell you, knowing that Paul's reaction right there tells me that it's awful. It's charming. Did, did they did they edit everybody separately and put them in together like they did on the poster? Apparently, yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's how it felt. No, uh, I I do I thought the film was fine. Did okay. they really do that on the poster? That's what it looked like. It it looks very photoshopped. <laughs> um, He's so terrible. Who's I can't terrible? think of his name. Zach Braff. Zach Braff. Yes, he is so fucking bad. I like Zach Braff, and I like him in this movie. <sighs> Yeah, I love are you, are you thinking of Dak Shepard? No, no Dak Shepard rules. Yeah, Dak Shepard rules. He's have, like the. Have you seen Zathura? He's like the generic <laughs> Dak Shepard. Uh, he's like they the Dak Shepard wannabe. He's not as funny. They couldn't get Dak Shepard, so they went and got Zach Braff. Excuse me. I like this film. You know, I don't I mean, love it. When I mean, when the highlight of your career is Chicken Little. That is not the highlight, is exactly. that? That is definitely the highlight. Of not even close. Of, that's the highlight of his success. Yes, it is. Oh my god, that is the worst Disney film. Oh, dude, it's a horrible movie. It is. It is on it, the. It makes it bottom goes of my hand bio. in hand with Zach Braff. I just don't know how <laughs> Scrubs ran for nine seasons, and you're like, <laughs> the worst Disney film is the highlight of his career. <laughs> well, what's it called? There's tons of bad shows that run for nine seasons. <laughs> Scrubs is good. Ain't fucking Grey's Anatomy still on the air? Okay. They're on like season twenty-two. General Hospital still fucking pumping out. Hey, General Hospital's <laughs> a sense. national treasure. Okay, <laughs> a landmark. Uh, 
Uh, I was going to thank Trav for producing our <laughs> show, but I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. Oh, thank you to the most overrated director, Robert Eggers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I... oh, but I am going to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. I'm going to thank Megan and Jay Bellevue for our beautiful artwork. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Pod, and on Facebook at the Oscarwarsty Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. It really helps us to be the all mighty algorithm. Now, now, if you rewind and you can re-listen to the guys talk about uh, uh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Zach, what are we watching next week? Next week, we're watching Bringing Out the Dead, which you can rent on Amazon, Google, Voodoo, YouTube, or stream with a Hulu premium subscription. All right. Francis Ford Coppola's nephew, Nicholas Cage. I'm excited. So, for Trav, Zach, and uh, Marty's uncle, we got that really nice <laughs> We'd like for you all to have a damn fine day. Bye.